welcome to the PLMR podcast. My name's Neve Mercer and I'm an account manager here at PLMR and today I'll be chatting with Simon Darby, PLMR's head of East of England. We'll be discussing the government's Eat Out to Help Out scheme and a month on really looking back at what the benefits and challenges were for the government in introducing a creative policy such as this during such a difficult time for the country. Simon, would you like to start by introducing yourself? Hi there, so I'm Simon Darby, the head of East of England at PLMR, so I lead a lot of our East of England work as well as our wider public affairs and broader strategic communications activity. Great, so moving away from a kind of London-centric discussion about this topic, which is what we often hear and read about, it would be great to hear a bit about what your experience of the Eat Out to Help Out scheme was in your local area. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I uh, I was a beneficiary of it myself and made full use of uh, the scheme over August. I think generally, um, it was it was very well received. I think if you look at a lot of the the local press coverage in in a way that you don't often see uh, from a, a kind of a government scheme perspective, there was a lot of positive coverage. There was a lot of uh, you know seeming goodwill about the need to get people out to restaurants, to get people out into the hospitality sector. And generally, uh, a lot of the feedback I've had from from people, you know, either working in the industry or or generally working across um, city centres uh, across the east of England, is that it, it was uh, a hugely influential scheme and did generate a lot of footfall for businesses that otherwise would have been struggling. Uh, so, from that perspective, I think you know, over the the period of August, it was definitely uh, it definitely had a marked positive impact. I would say. And would you say that it was kind of more because it was potentially the first what felt like good news in such a long time that really made people want to get out there or maybe because it was the summer holidays kind of what do you think the factors were that made this a success yeah I, I think there's there's a variety of those I think it's it was definitely the timing of the scheme helped so yeah the, the summer holiday aspect to that with families not being in school um probably having already booked holidays that they could no longer go on or didn't want to go on for a variety of reasons but still had that time banked and, and needed something to do with it the good weather was obviously a, a benefit as well that's that's undeniable mm-hmm. i think the other thing that uh, has really uh, really struck me about about the scheme and it's uh, has been its cut through with the public and that's that's not really something that you expect from uh, from government schemes and particularly things that come out of hm treasury you know the it pains me to say it as someone that works in the public affairs and comms perspective, mm-hmm. but a lot of these sorts of things don't land with the public generally, unless you're actively involved like, you know, we are on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, it has been really interesting to see how that, that has cut through. I mean, you know, partly that's probably due to the fact that this is such a, uh, a critical issue for the country. I mean, COVID generally, when I talk about that, mm-hmm. people haven't really got other things to, to talk about or focus their minds on. So it, it kind of, it had... Uh, it had visibility in a way that other schemes or you know, other attempts to change behaviour haven't necessarily had. But you know, this is up there with, in my view, in, in terms of kind of the, the tell Sid style privatisation campaigns of the 80s, kind of ISA campaigns in the 90s as well. So it's it's one of the rarities that you know you can really count on one hand that has really you know, cut through to the public. Um, I think you know that coming together of people's minds being focused, the right timing around this, and and something that's a little bit creative, really, you know, was what mm-hmm. made it a success, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, and kind of obviously, 
um, Rishi kind of put his face to this policy and really it was it was Rishi's cheap meals as kind of what people were referring to. Do you think that that really helped the scheme to have a face and a personality, you know, that was, was separate from the Prime Minister who'd kind of been tied up with the more serious element? Obviously, Rishi had that as well with the furlough scheme and things like that, but this kind of really did seem to separate some of the government comms. What do you think the role of the kind of personality was? Definitely. I think, you know, the... It's, uh, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Rishi has clearly got some very good special advisors working around him. I mean, it was very Rishi Sunak focused in terms of uh, you know, the comms, the, the visuals around it. Uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. He's, he's clearly quite a charismatic, charismatic politician mm-hmm. who's kind of burst on the scene this year in, in quite a difficult situation. But, you know, immediately from, from the budget, which obviously seems a lifetime ago now, he was, he was obviously someone that you know, was confident and capable and I think that's that has come through. It's also I think it's it's quite a strange period in that for you know, usually Treasury is a department that has to give all the bad news or say no to certain things. Right. But actually this pandemic has kind of reversed that. If you look at you know number ten across you know the, the, the health and social care department and indeed education, they've been the ones having to either deal with the bad news or deal with, you know, kind of problems or challenges from a departmental perspective you know, across the furlough scheme these sorts of you know the, the creative help out to eat out scheme actually the treasury has been the good the good person in all of this is being mm. the people giving mm-hmm. out positive new coming up with the creative policies now that's obviously not going to last at some point you know we will see that the seat rising job losses we will see yeah. a much more challenging economic environment but yeah rishi the team around him have certainly benefited from from not being well, certainly not being associated with what else is going on and the other challenges that the government faces, whether that's been Gavin Williamson at DfE, whether that's been Hancock or, or Hancock, or indeed Boris in the number 10 operation. It's, it's definitely had that, that separation, which has, which has benefited it. Definitely. Um, and kind of speaking of the separation, um, do you think it's kind of... It's, it's been seen to be at odds, potentially, with some of the other government policy, particularly around obesity and the role that that can play in complications with coronavirus. Um, and there was kind of a lot of talk about, should we be encouraged to go and have cheap Nando's with this other policy coming in simultaneously? Do you think that kind of had a detrimental effect on one or the other, or they've kind of been able to coexist? Yeah, I think, you know, you, you look at it um, instinctively and you say that the two are are odds with each other and it's a level of mixed messaging. I think, you know, ultimately in a in a situation like this, government is fighting uh, a number of objectives that it has to has to deliver on. Obviously, you know, health, uh, the immediate health of, of the population is obviously its priority, but equally the economic health of the country and you know, particularly you know, across the regions in priority, you know, in, in in particular, is also, you know, massively important. So I think the two can coexist. I, I think you, you're looking at two different fr- time frames, really. I think you know, this is this is a short-term boost to, mm-hmm. to make sure that the hospitality sector doesn't collapse. And I think as we move away from that, the the, kind of the, the obesity, healthier living, um, post-COVID, a healthier Britain agenda has to dominate. So, yeah, I mean, there does seem to be a bit of cross-purposes, but I think you can separate them out as kind of a short and longer-term objectives. I think that's you know, what government is, is thinking in its own mind. So longer term, yeah, absolutely cheap Nando's for everyone is probably not <laughs> the right policy. But I think in as a short, sharp burst in terms of you know, propping up jobs that otherwise would have gone, mm-hmm. um, I, don't, I don't think they're, they're mutually exclusive and contradictory to that extent. No, that makes sense. Um, and I think one of the 
other aims of this scheme as well as to try and you know re-stimulate the economy um there was a lot of talk i remember kind of around super saturday and when the shops reopened about encouraging people to have confidence to get back out there which this scheme was really all about as well um although we've kind of seen some data and kind of survey responses that kind of said one in two people who didn't take part didn't because they were worried about catching coronavirus or the increased risk after many months of being told to not go out and socialise or be indoors in particular with other people so kind of then going into sitting in restaurants felt maybe a bit counterintuitive for what we'd all just kind of got used to um so now that we're a month on from the scheme and obviously lockdown two has been trending on twitter this week do we kind of how much can we attribute the rise in these cases without being scientists ourselves to this scheme do you think even in public opinion are the two things now unfortunately linked well definitely i think that's a very interesting point i think you know the government is you know has been uh, walking a tightrope in terms of trying to marry these two objectives i think that's obviously going to be the case i think what was what was interesting when this when this first came out was in a way you know the initial period is the government was probably a victim of its own success to an extent in terms of how well its initial messaging worked around ultimately scaring people into staying at home. Mm. Um, it had a few kind of hiccups, but genuinely, I think that that messaging was was well, you know, was received quite easily, and it did. You know, people did stay at home. I think getting people back out um, was was proving difficult. I think it needed something like the help out to eat out scheme, or sorry, eat out to help out rather. Um, to, to kind of create that behavioural shift, I think you know, and, mm. it, and it does demonstrate the, the how you can still um, you know change and affect behavioural change through incentives and you know tax changes and such like. I think that's something that the Treasury will, will certainly be looking to, to continue. Um, in terms of whether it's contributed to a uh, potential lockdown too and arising cases, uh, possibly. I think you know we are you know, whether that's something that we're just going to have to live with. I think ultimately. We will see over the next couple of weeks and months whether that rise in cases is coupled with a rise in you know, an unfortunate rise in, in deaths. I think that will mm. be the real, the real challenge that we need to mitigate. Ultimately, until there's a vaccine that comes through, we're going to have to try and find a way that the two can coexist. That mm-hmm. we try and support, you know, primarily schools and the, the health system, but also elements of the the economy that are going to need it, whilst also making sure that you know we're keeping people safe. And we, we're probably going to see spikes in certain things the government's going to have to be fleet of foot in you know you know removing measures or, or being a bit stricter in terms of how things happen so yeah i'm, I'm not a scientist um <laughs> and i wouldn't want to kind of uh, attribute any sort of causality that i can't back up but instinctively it does feel that you know this is this is the new normal that until a vaccine uh, arrives that we're going to have to live with and you know, you're going to see these peaks and troughs um mm-hmm. as kind of as the health and the kind of you know economy debate kind of flips yeah moving forward absolutely um and in terms of that kind of you know peaks and troughs this is the new normal do you think we can can or should expect to see more creative policies such as this from the government which is all about trying to marry that combination of stay home when you absolutely must but when it's slightly safer get out there and continue to try and live as safely as possible um or do you think this is kind of maybe more of a one-time dip in a toe for this sort of more fun policy yeah i think we're going to have to i think you know uh, i've got you know, i'd imagine that people within treasury have been generally pleased with how how the scheme um the scheme worked i think the fact that so many 
um, businesses have in, in one shape or another kind of continued it off their own back and continued using that messaging mm-hmm. and continued using that branding does highlight that if you get this right, you can you can do things quite creatively. You can you, you can deliver. So I, I think you know that is definitely going to continue. I think you know, at some point we're going to have to look at uh, what happens from a, a post furlough scheme perspective and right. whether we look at more innovative ways or, or sector ways of doing that, where there'll be contributions from employers, contributions from, from government to top up salaries and potentially a bit of salary for gone to make sure that jobs aren't lost. I think. Yeah, we are. We're not. You know, once you enter a situation where you've had to enforce a national lockdown, you're unfortunately you're messing with the economy in a way that isn't normal. It's not. This is not a normal recession because mm-hmm. demand is ultimately it's been forced upon people. So right. in order to keep that, you're going to have to put in place creative measures that um, adapt behaviour and adapt people's spending patterns, people's travel patterns to try and shore up elements of the economy. So I don't necessarily, I don't see this as a one-off. I don't necessarily see or know what's going to replace it or what's going to come further down the line, but I'd be amazed if, if Treasury isn't looking at replicating these sorts of programmes to um, to keep the you know, UK uh, pressing forward. No, it's very interesting. Thank you so much. Um, I think kind of final question before I let you go, um, just to take it back maybe to more anecdotally to the area and the kind of east of England where you are, do you think that there's you know, even despite the potential rise in cases um, and the money people have and haven't been able to save and the impact on businesses, both good and bad, do you think there's still kind of appetite for more things like this? Do you think that people do want to be able to, they like the government investment in schemes like this, which can kind of help us live a normal life when and where possible? Yeah, I think the one the one thing I, I've certainly noticed is um, you know whether you're living in South End, such as myself, or in Chelmsford, or Cambridge, or Norwich, or the other kind of large conurbations uh, across the region, is there does seem to be a growing appetite uh, for people to support their local economies right. more so in a way that maybe they have done previously. Um, what that looks like, you know, is is obviously still to you know kind of to be worked out but I think the, the desire of people to spend in their local restaurants or use local independent shops or mm-hmm. you know, just do things in a bit more of a localised manner yeah that's definitely there and I think from a government perspective that elements in any sort of scheme any sort of, sort of support that can build on that will definitely be you know, very much wanted and very much supported moving forward. That obviously has its own issues in terms of what you do um, with your, your massive cities where a lot of people are no longer going into, certainly in the area that I live, um, that, that spending has gone from commuters spending in London to commuters not commuting and spending locally, which is obviously great for, for local businesses here. But yeah, from a government perspective, I think you know, supporting efforts to get people spending locally, uh, there is an opportunity for a real reset here. And I don't think that's all necessarily a bad thing. Well, Simon, thank you so much for your contribution to our podcast today. Um, certainly lots to think about and really great to hear your perspective, um, not just on a national scale, but kind of how well the scheme was received in the east of England as well. And as you say, it might not be the last creative policy or scheme we see from the government in response to coronavirus. So I look forward to hearing your thoughts about the next one. Thank you so much. Well, thanks very much. Pleasure to contribute. And uh, yeah, hopefully you found that of interest.